Welcome to the Crossways Podcast, a podcast where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan Germany, and with me is my great friend, my co-host, Joshua Fowler. This podcast is brought to you by the Ministry League and also Goodwood Church of Christ and Holly Hill Church of Christ. We're glad you're here. What is happening, Josh? It's good to be here. I am just, I'm having a good day so far. A good day, huh? Having a good I am. day. I uh, am. What's good? What's good about your day today? Oh, man. So, Captain and I finally decided, you know, we've been looking for a little while, then we stopped um, for a dresser changing table combo for the nursery for, for baby G. And we found a couple that we thought we might like. They didn't really match. They didn't. They weren't sturdy enough. They didn't look good. And we finally said, you know, let's just buy one off of online. And uh, we we were hoping to be able to buy one used, but we bought one online. I think it was just like two days ago, and now it arrived this morning. Except it's not assembled, of course. <laughs> so, um, good thing is I have someone coming uh, Saturday, and uh, we'll be putting that together, and that'll be one more step to the completion of Baby G's nursery. So we're pretty you excited. Know, I was pretty certain you were going to say you were super excited because you decided to just let everyone know what this baby's name is going to be. I can't do that. I can't do that. In fact, it, it slipped. The name slipped in front of um, one of the kids in our youth group and her mom. Uh, the uh -huh. dad wasn't around and her sister wasn't around and no other teenager or youth member was around. And last <laughs> night I told the class that the one person knew that I slipped up, but then I couldn't tell them. And uh, just to create more anticipation. <laughs> and of course now they're like, bribing her to try to find out what the name is and uh, she's she's pretty tight-lipped so it's it's a good time it's a good time that's good that's good um we've had a pretty good day here it's a little chilly um i mean 40 it was 48 degrees when i left the house this morning so um for our area that's uh, downright oh, cold but that that is cold for baton rouge man that that's like school might get canceled um it's <laughs> yeah. front of i mean when i was i can remember growing up in baton rouge and i always wondered and i always got my hopes up i always got my hopes up but it would be well there's a 70 percent chance of snow and it might snow like some snow uh so we're going to cancel school because no one knows how to drive in the snow in Baton Rouge. And uh, schools would shut down. And I get all excited that we're going to have snow. And, of course, it never came. No. It might come. You know, little flurries might happen. So in order for me to see it, we would get black construction paper. And we would run outside and hold the black construction paper out and see the little dots on the construction paper and be like, I see snow. Yay! You know, that was my snow experience as a little child. I don't remember if it was in like February of 2017. 
I think it was. I think it was the year after, like right after the flood, just like six months after the flood. It snowed like inches, inches okay. here. Wow. Um, and it was it was crazy. You know, I'm rolling around in the in the Jeep. It must have been. It must have been 2018 because I had the Jeep. I don't think I don't think I bought the Jeep until like the summer of 2017. But yeah, we had like three inches of snow. Now it didn't hang around for more than an hour. It it hit, piled up, and melted right away. Um, but it was pretty crazy to see uh, palm trees with snow on them. Um, not a not a common sight in these parts. No. Uh, it and it is going to be 76 here by by three o'clock this afternoon. So that that 48 doesn't hang around for long. No. No, no, it doesn't. And I guess, um, you know, the, it, it was always unexpected when we had snow and, mm. and uh, it's, it was always unexpected and it was always exciting. But speaking of unexpected, you saw that segue. That was a beautiful segue. <laughs> ha, have you received help from someone unexpected and maybe unexpectedly or maybe just someone you didn't expect to help you? So either way, for those of you who are watching, share with us a story, and um, we're going to be thinking about this too because I think this is a, a good for us to think about. So I have a weird, uh, yeah, it's weird, um, explainable but bizarre. I had a we we're in Olathe, Kansas. I'm in one of the busiest intersections in Olathe, Kansas, which I know doesn't sound like too daunting, but you know, we're talking <clears throat> two lanes each way. So a four lane road, um, e each road is a four lane road. Each road has a turn lane. So considerable amount of traffic rolling through here. And uh, I think it was the transmission goes out on my little car that I was driving. And so <clears throat> curbs on either side, but there is a school right nearby where my kids go to school. So I'm like, all right. I think I can get right up there and I think I can, I can push this thing into the parking lot and then I'll call Heather and we'll be okay. So I'm by myself, I'm outside and I am, I'm pushing this car. Um, not downhill. I'm, I'm not gonna say it was uphill. I'm definitely not pushing the car uphill, but it's not a little nice downhill slide, you know? And all of a sudden the car gets light and I look back and this guy has, parked his truck on the side of the road. He's hopped out. He's helping me push. We pull it into, um, uh, into that parking lot there. And I hop into the car, whip it immediately into a parking spot, throw it in park. I get out to say, thank you. And this guy is nowhere to be found. Um, like, I don't know if he's just super fast or if he is an angel that drives a black Chevrolet pickup in the middle of Olathe, <laughs> Kansas, or um, or if it took me much longer to whip that car into a parking spot and get out and say thank you than I thought it did. Um, but yeah, I was like, I was dying, man. I was like, there is no way I'm getting this car to this parking lot. I'm gonna have to call a tow truck. Oh um, man! And then all of a that sudden, that can be frightening. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know, you got a door hanging out, and you're hanging out into traffic, and Nobody is gracious when you're clogging up traffic trying to get out of the roadway. Of course not. Um, so that was it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. I, I have a similar story. 
Except mine wasn't, I don't know if it was unexpected or if it was just, I was very fortunate. But we were in Alabama and we were about to get some snow. Again, remember, I'm from, you know, I know how to drive in the, in the snow and the ice, you know, you know, because now I've been so much, a little bit. Come on now, Josh, a little bit. But I still make some mistakes and sometimes I'm like, oh, it'll be okay. Well, I decided I was going to go. Uh, some of the members owned a movie rental place. And I thought, I'll go get some movies for Catherine and I to watch, you know, during this, you know, because we're supposed to get this, you know, a lot of ice and mm -hmm. a lot of snow and it's supposed to freeze over and we won't be able to go anywhere. So, and I'll get a chance to help them out a little bit, visit for a little bit. So I go in there and I'm a talker. So I'm visiting with, the, with you know, the 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 people who are working, just seeing what it's like. And I look outside and I'm like, oh, it's really coming down. I should probably go because now I've been here too long <laughs> and I didn't beat the snow. Well, it was our, and to get to our apartment, the street, you know, so you have the main highway, but then it's at about a 45 degree angle with a stop sign. And then you keep going to our apartment. And I already have decided I'm not stopping if there's no one there because I'm just not stopping on a 45 degree angle when it's, you know, a little icy. But I also need to be careful because there's kids outside or, you know, my, you know, whatever. So I'm going right. and then my car just starts to slow down a little bit because I thought I'll just slow down a little and mm -hmm. make sure there's no one there and keep going. Well, I didn't get enough speed to go up that, that <laughs> slope. And then my tires just start spinning because the, the, the grade is too steep for my car. And I don't have four-wheel drive. So what's spinning? Well, not the right tires. So I'm just spinning. And I'm like, this is not good. And then I make the dreaded – because, you know, at, at that point, you're either going to start turning and then you're in real trouble. So I thought, okay, I'll just try to do this. And then I hit my brake. And when I hit my brake, I went – I've made a big mistake. And my car did this, and then it started going, and it started going backwards. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm about to have to just, you know, fishtail this thing and kind of, and, you know, I, you, you know, you can know how to can kind of slowly control a car. So I'm like, I'm going to have to do this. And I'm going to have to, and I slowly start hitting the accelerator to keep my car still. So it's going straight. Because you don't want, you don't want to just let go. You have to, you know, keep doing different maneuvers to make sure your car is not going to go sideways. There was a father and his son outside and he sees me and he just gives me a little push and I'm able to go forward. And then I just gun it and, uh, you know, slow, not complete floor, it, but you know, yeah, slowly right. speed up and then just hit the accelerator. So I'm just going to go and I don't even stop. And I just go right through that stop sign and get to our apartment. And it went, Ah, that guy just saved my life. You know, I wrote down my, you know, of course, you know, my door is open so I can kind of see what I'm doing. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, it now was I hope you can make it. <laughs> yeah, it was terrifying. But uh, I received help from someone uh, unexpected, you know, because I don't even know who that guy was and I'll never see him again.
but yeah, I can uh, I can give you stories for days about the uh, precarious predicaments that being in snow and ice has. Oh, it's um, terrifying. Been in us. We got stuck in an ice storm coming home from Thanksgiving from Austin to Oklahoma City. And the trip from Dallas to Oklahoma City, it's a two and a half hour trip. Um, it took me nine hours. It took me nine hours to make that to make that two and a half hour trip because on I-35, the maximum speed you could go, if you got over 25 miles an hour, you started going sideways because it was so slick um and i'm in a f-150 rear wheel drive no no front wheel drive there's cars in ditches all over the place and you know just white knuckle driving for i was like i don't want to drive for weeks after this it's crazy um it, it can it, it, it can was... put you in some situations though where you're just at the mercy of the people around you <laughs> correct and if I had if I had left five minutes earlier, I would have I would have got home no problem. And uh, darn conversation! <laughs> I know, can't believe it. Oh, been but there. but that kind you know being you know having someone unexpected help you kind of is what happened in the Good Samaritan in the parable of this Good Samaritan. So we have this this parable Jesus is talking to. Uh, he's talking to a lot of Pharisees and people of the law and a lot of this Jewish audience. And we have the parable in Luke 10 uh, toward the, the end, of, I guess the middle to the end, 25 through 37. But there's this history of the Samaritan and the Jewish people that I think we, we need to talk about uh, as we're looking at this parable, that they hated each other. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Josh, but the Samaritans were, were half-breeds, Correct. In the sense of Jewish people, like from where they came from, that's why they were considered so unclean. Yeah. Well, so the Samaritans were that group of people who had been taken into captivity, or really had yeah. been put into exile. So yeah. when uh, uh, was it a uh, Babylon or Assyria, Babylon? Babylon. When they came in and conquered the the northern kingdom. They took half of the people in in northern Israel and moved them to their own country. And then they brought in their own people and moved them into the northern kingdom. Mm -hmm. And and so that that mixture of cultures, you know, created this. That's why they that's why they would consider them half breed Jews. Because they did still they have prepared. in a lot of ways the right, the the early heritage of the Jewish people, but they were not able to preserve the patterns, whereas when the Southern King kingdom was sent into exile, you know, they were sent into exile with, with the remnant that was able to preserve their practices, their, their religion, their worship to God, their sacrifices and all of those things. Yeah. And so the, the, the Jewish people's inability to preserve their heritage is what, you know, the, these Jews of this current day would have really held against them. Like you abandoned us as a people. And um, yeah. and so, so this was not this is not something that should be completely unfamiliar to us because this is the division the is based on race and religion. Mm -hmm. It has right. nothing to do with it. It's race and religion because, yeah, they might have a similar background, but once they intermarried, 
the people you have as a Samaritan people were not the same race as these Jews who had married their own, quote, kind and stayed in their own cultures. They saw them as, You're, you look different than us. You talk different than us. You worship different than we do. You don't. You may not even believe like we do. Therefore, we hate you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, now there were some <clears throat> clean and unclean things with the law that we do have to keep in mind. But nowhere in clean and unclean is there room for hate. You know, right? Unfortunately, right. just like today, we see hate based off of religious beliefs when they're twisted and warped and taken out of context. So this should not be unfamiliar to us. So this kind of sets the scene of who he's talking to and why I think it's so significant that he uses a Samaritan individual in this story of the parable. So we have this this individual in the parable who is going on, I guess, a journey, but he's beaten up and essentially left for dead. Mm-hmm. So this man is left for dead. He's on the side of the road. And you can debate whether or not this was a dangerous road, whether people would know this could be a, you know, a ploy to, to then get kidnapped, you know. But what happened is you had a priest and a Levite who both came by. And in the parable, Jesus says, they saw the man and they walked on the other side. They went out of their way to, to cross on the other side of this path to avoid this individual, to keep going on their journey, possibly to do some ministry work. You know, they're Levites and they're priests and they're headed somewhere to possibly do that. Then we have a Samaritan and he sees him. And and what's the word Jesus uses? He had compassion. Compassion, right. On him. He, He bounded up his wounds. He put them on his donkey, which meant he's now walking. He takes him to an inn. He takes care of him there. And then he tells the innkeeper, put it on my tab, essentially. Mm-hmm. Whatever costs incur for him to fully recover, he can stay here. Just put it on my tab. When I come back, I'll pay it in full. And then Jesus says, which one proved to be that good neighbor? <laughs> See, that the, the, Jew, the, the Jews, is, the Pharisees had just asked a question. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, well, who's my neighbor? That's right. Well, Jesus, Jesus knew they're looking to find out who do I not have to love? You know, they're there looking are, for there the are some of my neighbors I really don't care for. Correct. Do I really have to love the guy that keeps me up all night long with his thumping music or the guy that speeds down my street? Who's my neighbor? Love your neighbor yeah. as yourself. Oh, that's a good idea. Who's my neighbor? Yeah, they were they were really asking, who do I not have to love? And right. Jesus used the Samaritan, and when he asked, which one proved to be a neighbor? They couldn't even say the word Samaritan. They said, oh, the one who showed him mercy. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. So that kind of summarizes this parable, and there's a lot to unpack here. But uh, what are your first reactions or what are uh, maybe not yours, Josh? But what are our typical first reactions when we read this story? Um, you know, I think, I think ultimately there's this mixture of emotions that comes around because each and every one of us wants to believe that we would be that Samaritan, 
you know, who would recognize someone on the side of the road um, and no matter what it was, would realize that there's nothing more important than helping people, you know? And so we see that and we go, oh, man, that was cool. I'm, and we identify with the Samaritan. Um, but then when we really start thinking about it, we start realizing there are so many people that we pass up. And why do we pass up the people who we pass up? Do we pass them up because we are afraid? Um, do we pass them up because we have things to do and places to go? Um, do we pass them up because we're running behind or because, you, you know, because we're going to church or a church event? Um, I was on my way to, to, to the office one Sunday morning um, and it was a, it was a cool morning and I'm driving down the road. And there's a guy on the side of the road. He has his hood up and he's looking at his car like he's trying to read some manual in Mandarin Chinese, right? He is completely lost on the side of Florida Boulevard. And I'm headed into church, getting ready to go preach a sermon. Uh, you know, and if I was really telling the story right, I could say I was preaching a sermon on a Good Samaritan, but that would not be true. I, but I was coming to preach, right? And we've talked and talked and talked and talked about showing compassion on people. And I drive past it and I go, man, that sucks. And I just keep rolling. And I get to the next stoplight and go, I cannot in good conscience show up at, at a church service and try to inspire people to do something that's out of their comfort zone and do something different and to be compassionate about people when I've just passed this guy on the side of the road. I don't know if I can help him with his car, but at the very least, I can offer him a phone call or I can give him a ride somewhere where he can get help. And so uh, I turned around and I went back and um, turned out I was able to fix it. I had a couple of tools in the Jeep and, you know, we got his he had a battery cable that was disconnected and all kinds of things going on there in that area. Um, but I do that. Right. I mean, that's just a regular thing. I see somebody pass on the side of the road and they need help and I just keep going because the things I have to do are, are more important in that moment to me than showing compassion to people who, who maybe are in need. And so that's, I see this mixture of emotions that comes up with me where it's like I, I see it, I hope that it's me, and then when I really think about it, I'm like, oh, no, I'm one of those other people, and I need to be more yeah. compassionate. So, You know, it, it's and, and we'll get to, to this in, in a second, uh, in a few minutes from now, but if you look at the, at the story, he was on the, and I wanted to confirm this when I, before I was when I was summarizing. I should have double checked it, but he was on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. He mm -hmm. says he was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, but this is the road they're on. So the priest and Levite were were either on their way to Jerusalem to take care of business, mm -hmm. or coming back from having just taught something or worshipped in Jerusalem, coming back. So either way, they were either on their way to do God's work or they were coming back from doing God's work and they missed an opportunity to do God's work. And, and, mm -hmm. I, and it's, it's interesting that Jesus used that because likely he was talking to people who were priests. He was likely talking to people who were, you know, Jewish rulers. He was talking to people who highly esteemed these, you know, probably talking to some Levites people who had Levite heritage. And he says, by the way, you're, you don't have it all figured out. The things you are making important 
really aren't as important as you think they are. Or maybe not quite that extreme, but maybe the things you consider not important are just as important as the things you think are important. And right. I think you and I, like you said, I'm on my way to church. I'm too busy to help you right now. And, you know, and, and that, that's, that's a very dangerous uh, route for us to go. And uh, I guess since I went there, I'll, I'll, I'll go to uh, one of the next things on our show notes here that sometimes we can lose sight of what it means to serve God. You know, we can mm-hmm. be on our way to, like you said, a church event, or maybe we can be our way and um, and we see someone in need and we almost say, sorry, I can't help you right now. And uh, I remember seeing a video and I believe it was by Lonnie Jones and his kind of skit crew, but they had a, they were on stage doing a little skit and they had a guy praying, praying for God to send me an opportunity to, to do your will, send me an opportunity to, to serve you faithfully. And then mm-hmm. a friend came up to him while he's praying and says, Hey man, I need your, hey, I'm praying. <laughs> Dear God, please just send me someone to help out. Hey dude, I really need you. Listen, I'm praying. Okay. I'll, I'll get to you in a second. And he's praying to God to send him an opportunity. And the whole time this guy's like, Hey, Hey dude, I, I need your help right now. Hey man, listen, I'm spending my God time here. I'll get to you in a second. Yeah. And it's almost humorous and obviously it's exaggerated quite significantly, but it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. I, uh, uh, had a, had a professor who he didn't, he didn't do this activity with us in our class, but he was telling me about an activity he did with one of his classes. He was teaching adjunct about preaching and, they had an assignment where they had to each preach a sermon on the Good Samaritan. Um, they all had their assigned times of when they had to be at the building um, or at the, you know, the classroom and when they had to give their lesson. And he had friends of his who stood outside the building as these kids were coming in. So they would know who they were coming up to. He had a pictures for them. So they knew who they were approaching and who was coming in to take, that test, if you will. And they were these people who he had brought in were supposed to ask these kids coming in to preach for something. They had some need that they could handle. They either needed help changing a tire in the parking lot or they needed directions somewhere or they needed someone to show them. Um, and there were 10 students in the class. Um, one student he said one student um, called him and said, hey, I'm going to be late for my time. I've got to help this guy. And then as soon as I get him where he needs to go, I'll be there. One student brought uh, the man into the classroom and said, come on in here with me. As soon as I get done with this, I'll, I'll help you find what you need if you have the time. He said the other eight just basically said, I don't have time. I have to go take this test. And they just walked on by. And then they went into the room and preached a sermon on this, on the good Samaritan, (laughs) you know? And, and so he got them all in and he said, now, listen, you only fail this test if you don't learn something from it, right? If your life doesn't reflect the things that you are preaching, the things that you are teaching, the things that you are professing to believe in, you will never be effective, not as a minister, not as a, not as a Christian um, in the church or in the world. 
And so, so much of this comes to, you know, the, the mindset in the heart that says, are you willing to live out the things that you profess to be true? Mm-hmm. Um, if we are going to claim that God is a loving God, full of grace and mercy, and, and that is what drives us, then the way that we live and the way that we interact with people should should reflect that, even when I'm in a hurry and even when they're in their in their difficult moments. So um, it really is about that consistency of the things that we say we believe in and the things that we're going to go and put into practice. Yeah. And uh, it's hard because it, it, in moments like that, we have to admit that I'm not that good Samaritan. Who doesn't want to be the hero of a story? We all want to be the hero of a story. Man, I would love to think that, that you know, and maybe we start making excuses. Well, I just don't have the money to, to say to a guy, put it on my tab. Well, maybe not, but you know someone who can. <laughs> Right. I mean, sometimes it's about connecting people to the right people or maybe it's about, hey, listen, dude, I can't put you up in a hotel or I can't buy you a week's worth of groceries. But here's some McDonald's, you know, sometimes it's it's so much simpler than that. But it, it, it means we have to challenge ourselves to say, am I doing what it takes? I, I've shared this right. story before. But and it's not someone who was in dire need. I know that, and uh, he may have been. But I, I got a text from from an old youth group member in, in uh, another state, and I don't know where he was, but he wasn't where he needed to be, or he wasn't where he wanted to be. And he says, "Hey, man, I need some some money." And I said, "Listen, dude, uh, I, I don't know what I, you know. I don't know how much I can do right now." He goes, "I just need like ten bucks." If you can wire, you know, if you can, you know, man, are you at Walmart? And he goes, you can just, you know, money gram me like 10 bucks. I just need like gas or whatever. And I'm thinking, I don't know what this guy's really going to use his money for. You know, I, I, I knew some things he, he, he did. I knew kind of some lifestyles he chose to do. And I was like, man, I, I'm not sure this is a good idea. But I know I have 10 bucks. But mm-hmm. at the same time man, we just gave some other stuff to something else. And I started justifying why I can't help them. And I'm typing (laughs) out, man, we just can't do that right now with our budget. We've already given some stuff this month. And as I'm typing this text message or Facebook message, whatever it was, I'll look at my shopping cart and there's like two 12 packs of like Coke and root beer, (laughs) you know, three bags of chips and a bag of candy. And then like our real groceries. And I go, I could put some of these chips back. And because I can't tell him we don't have the money when I'm here buying three bags of chips and 24 drinks of soft drinks and a bag. Those of are candy. staples, though, Jonathan. Those are staples. You have bread, you have eggs, you have milk, you have soda and you have chips. Absolutely. The five major food groups, right? Correct. And uh, it, it kind of hit me in that moment. I'm about to lie to this guy. You know, uh, I might have other reasons for not wanting to, and maybe, maybe why I shouldn't, but I can't tell him, listen, I just don't, I just don't have the money this month to, mm-hmm. to, to give anymore. No, I can always find things to cut out if I need to give. Cause if, if say, if he texted me and said, Hey dude, 
I'm in the hospital and I have, oh, cool. You know, all of a sudden the immediate, the urgency starts changing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, we like to say, dude, I just can't do that right now. When, when, when we, we might, we could, and we have to be humble enough to maybe just be honest with people, but also be honest with ourselves and say, maybe this is my way to show, to share Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I've, I've become, I've had to work to avoid being calloused. Um, largely because, you know, growing up in, in Austin, you know, every street corner, someone is asking for something. And, you know, there were a lot of times at the end of a job, we would offer guys, I mean, we could pay them $600 for a week's worth of work and it could be cash at the end of a job because anything, um, $600 or less didn't have to be reported to the IRS, you know? So these guys on the corner is like, look, uh, Monday through Friday, you come work Monday through Friday. We got a lot of cleanup to do around the job. And at the end of the day on Friday, we'll give you $600 cash. And they would say, nah, I can make more money working here. Um, begging, you know? And, and so I remember that as, as a kid and that wasn't everybody, you know, but the, the callousness comes in and says, oh, well, if it's one, it's all of them. And so then it's like, well, if I give him money, what's he going to use it for? Like, but that's not, that's not on me, right? I'm responsible for my response of, of compassion to brokenness and people who are hurting in the world. They are responsible for what they do with the grace that's given to them. You know, they're the ones that are going to be held accountable for the mistreatment of God's grace and God's mercy and God's love that's being displayed even through me when I give that. And that doesn't mean that we have to be irresponsible, right? I mean, I think there are responsible ways in which we can actually um, help people. The easy thing to do is just, you know, throw some cash their way. Um, But that might not be the most responsible thing. But we can't use that as an excuse to to not do anything at all, right? Correct. Correct. Um, And... So I guess, you know, that, that, that's some practical ways, you know, offering someone, you know, some labor, getting food. But I guess the, the hardest thing is doing it with, you know, serving others who are different than us. You know, because mm-hmm. I keep saying, you know, a lot. I just I'm catching it now. It, it's easy for us to be able to help people who look like us who come from similar backgrounds than us because we connect with them much easier, I guess, easily. Mm -hmm. But what are some practical ways? And and this is a question that I'm asking the audience, asking you, asking myself, because I I don't know all the answers, um, despite what everybody thinks. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) What are some, I know nothing. What are some practical ways do you think that we can help people who are different than us? Because that's the hardest is going out on that limb and just saying, I'm going to do this because God wants me to, because it's uncomfortable. Well, you know, first you have to be in a place where you encounter people who are different than you. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the, one of the reasons a, a lot of people don't have opportunities to serve people is because they only surround themselves with, an echo chamber of people who look, talk, and act just like they do because that's where they're most comfortable. 
Um, but being in a position where we are, maybe where we are the one that is different, where we are the one that stands out in a crowd, uh, whether that be, you know, at a homeless shelter or, you know, in a, in a different community or in a different culture. I spend time with our Spanish ministry. And even though I can kind of speak their language and my Spanish minister often says, you're not American, you're a Mexican. Um, you know, because he knows that's not true. Uh, but when I get into that group, they know that I'm the one that doesn't fit in. Um, I'm the one that doesn't fit because I was born and raised here. Many of them were, but all of my family was. I don't have their heritage or their background or even their language skills. Um, and so being in that moment with them, sometimes just being present there and and, and trying to understand where they've come from and the things that they love and to recognize their value in this body and in this culture, exactly for who they are. Um, it's one of the ways we begin to, to really bridge those gaps. So, I mean, you got to be present amongst people that are different from you first in order to, to find those oh. ways to, to connect. I think, and then the, I, I'll follow up with that being present. And then, like you said, also not just being present, like physically, but then being present in the moment. Mm -hmm. So then listening, because, you know, it's one thing just to be around people and not pay attention, but be around people. And then when you invest in other people, then they'll start, then they'll say, this person actually cares. And when there's a right. need, you'll either know there's a need or they'll tell you there's a need. And right. if you're being that example and you're being the Christian that you should be and you're showing them Jesus like you should and they come with a need, you might have that weird conversation and that they'll they'll look like they're uncomfortable because they are. And they'll say, hey, listen, dude, it's not my thing, but I know you're kind of this. You and God are tight. Right. And, you know, <laughs> you know, you can see that they'll struggle and just listen. And they'll say, could, could you pray for me? You know, I'm not much of a prayer, you know, pray guy, but this is going on, man. And, and I don't know what to do, man. Wide open opportunity. Walk through it. Don't shut mm -hmm. that down. Don't shut it down. Yeah. So in our, uh, you know, in our football officials group, uh, or our, um, I, I don't even really know what to call it. I mean, it's, I guess it's a group, the Baton Rouge Association, in our Football Officials Association. Secret Club. Um, the Secret Club, yeah, it's Fight Club. First rule of Fight Club. Um, you know, we have a prayer before every meeting. Um, and one time, you know, we had a couple of guys who were, you know, would always kind of say that prayer. And one of the board members said, said, you're a pastor, aren't you? And I said, I am. I said, well, you can, you can say the prayer before our meeting. It's like, actually, any of you can say the prayer before our meeting. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a, a pastor or a minister that, that leads us in prayer. But, but sometimes, like you said, we have that perception and it's like, oh, you're a minister. Would you pray for us? It's like, absolutely. I will. I'm not going to spend this time going over the semantics of, of, you know, what title you use to call me, or, you know, you can do that too. And it's like, no, you've asked me to come in and, and be a part of this in a very specific way. Um, and I'm going to do that and, and honor that request. And in the meantime, uh, we're going to begin to ask some questions because yeah. when we ask questions and actually listen to the answers, not listen 
like I recognize if I'm in a place full of people who are different from me, when I ask questions, the answers I'm going to get are likely going to be very different from my experience and my understanding. Um, and if I'm only listening to figure out what my next argument is going to be to try to convince them of why I'm right, um, I'm really not listening at all. But yeah. listening to hear their experience and to hear their heart and to hear what it is that that moves them and shapes them and motivates them um, helps me to understand how I can then be of service. Um, yeah. And they don't have to be dead, beaten, bleeding on the side or dying and bleeding on the side of a road. Um, sometimes they're they're dying and bleeding emotionally or they're dying and bleeding, you know, mentally and, and maybe even spiritually. I mean, there's all kinds of ways in which people um, need to hear what God has to say to them. Absolutely. Uh, we see it play out physically in the parable of the Good Samaritan, but but there's wounded people all over uh, that we miss. There are. Um, and, and I like your point about not making it a big deal in that moment to correct the semantics. And uh, now when I have people who ask, oh, what do I call you? Are you pastor, reverend? And and that, that kind of opens the door for a little, you know, mini conversation. But what I found to be helpful, at least from my perspective, and it doesn't ever seem to come across negative, is sometimes when people, you know, they might say, oh, well, well pastor Jonathan. And that's, to me, it's, I'm like, just Jonathan, you know, I, and, and, and when I say that, I, I don't go into a semantics. I say, listen. I'm not big on titles. I said, yeah. I'm just, a, I'm just a person. I'm just Jonathan. You don't need to, you don't need to, you know, if you want to say Mr. I prefer you to not do that either. But <laughs> I and, and so I kind of handle it in a joking way and uh, in a, in a kind of in an easy going way, but then to also say, listen, dude, I'm no more important than you are. I, I'm just right. Jonathan. It, it and, and it's not false humility, but it is showing humility is to say, listen, dude, I'm on your level. You know, and, and and I'm not big in all these titles. And then that also later leads to a, a, a good, you know, opening conversation. And I like what, what um, Johanna said. Oh, that felt weird. I've never <laughs> normally it's Miss Johanna. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know how I feel about this. And uh, but she said um, I, she was my Sunday school teacher. And she said, uh, Peter said to Cornelius, I'm just a man. Mm -hmm. And uh, he didn't go into a big, oh, here, let me give you a dissertation about everything. It was, it was just, I'm just a man. And, 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 and I think being simple and then brief and then back to serving them, the less we, oops, the less we make it about them, I'm sorry, the, the less we make it about us, the, the better. And she has dropped the title of Miss. <laughs> well, it's hard. It's so hard. There are things that are ingrained in us, right? Yes. <laughs> and, and I think that's really the objective, you know, of a lot of these things that Jesus does is to is to reshape, reform and, and create these new habits. Like, look, you've been in the habit of just moving past people that need your help along the way. Um, and it's going to be really uncomfortable for you for a while. Um, but get in the habit of seeking out the wounded that you can aid. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, because heaven knows there are moments, many of them, where I am wounded. And if someone had ignored the Spirit's urging to call me in those times and say, hey, I was just thinking about you today. I just wanted you to know that. Um, that doesn't happen often. But anytime anyone has ever given me a text 
or a card or a phone call saying, hey, you're on my mind. Um, it has come in times where I desperately needed to hear that. Yes. Um, and if someone had ignored that urging and just said, that's a goofy text to send. I'm not sending that. Um, you know, then I I would have missed out on that then that encouragement. And so it's it's reshaping our habits and reshaping the way that we walk through life. We're walking through life looking, how can I um, be a facilitator of God's love and God's mercy in the world around me today? And we are constantly seeking those opportunities, not seeking to avoid them. You know, because we put on blinders, we, we put in our headphones, we get to where we're going, turn on the maps, we don't look to the side to side. And, you know, we've even said, if you see somebody on the side of the road, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. If you make eye contact, you humanize them. Um, and, and we do that spiritually as well, that we just don't want to, we don't want to take the time to invest, uh, spiritually, yeah. mentally, emotionally, or physically, because we're so wrapped up in the things that we have to do. And Jesus says, like, I'm trying to change that about you. If you want to be a, a, a follower of mine, you will deny yourself every single day. If any man would come after me, he would deny himself, take up his cross every day and follow me. And um, that's it. it's, I think that's the challenge. I think that's the uh, ultimately what he's was getting at here with this parable as well. You want to know who your neighbor is? It is every single person you come into contact with. That's your yep. neighbor. Everybody. And it's our job to show the world Jesus. And but that means that we ourselves have to first start becoming more like Jesus, not just looking like Jesus, but becoming more like Jesus. Well, it's been fun. Those of you who have joined us live, as always, thank you. And again, as always, those of you who didn't join us live, you're still dead to me. Um, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We are glad that you are here. Glad that you are, you, you are, are listening or watching us. And um, hopefully this, um, if I get my act together today, Everything will be updated, and uh, we are on uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. You know, Spotify, um, Apple, you know, podcasts. We're on the Google Play Store, I believe. If if not, let me know. And then we're also on uh, Overcast if you use that, and um, all those Anchor. good stuff. And Anchor, all kinds of stuff. And if we're not somewhere, let us know. We'll see about getting on there. But as always, I'm Jonathan. This is Josh. These videos are these pod, this podcast is part of the Ministry League network of podcasts. We got a ton of podcasts uh, ranging from all sorts of different topics. Check them out. Check our app out. I would show it to you, but I didn't have it set up because I, I, I fail. But we'll see you guys not next Thursday. Uh, we're not doing a podcast on Thanksgiving. No. Spend family. And uh, sorry, Josh, uh, if you were planning on it, you can do it by yourself. Um, so and spend time with family. Uh, if the, I guess if your government allows uh, all that good stuff, but I kid partly, but not, we'll see you guys uh, in two weeks.